You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Job chapter number one, we'll begin reading in verse number six and we'll read down to verse number 12. Job chapter 1 and verse number 6, the Bible says, Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth, and from walking up and down in it. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth? a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for naught? Hast not thou made an hedge about him and about his house and about all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands and his substance is increased in the land. But put forth thine hand now and touch all that he hath and he will curse thee to thy face. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he hath is in thy power. Only upon himself put not forth thine hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. Amen. And let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the fact that it is available to us today. I thank you that it is powerful. I thank you that it's applicable. And I pray that we would be helped and Holy Spirit of God, would you speak to us? Thank you for how we've already been blessed and our hearts have been stirred by the singing. I thank you for the fellowship, the encouragement, just to see one another. And Lord, we know that the church was not our idea, but the church was your idea. When Jesus came to this earth and upon uh, the rock himself, he built the church and uh, he said that the gates of hell would not prevail against it. We know that Jesus loved the church so much that he gave himself for it. And I pray that you would bless us today as we are assembled as a church family together. I pray that we would be helped and strengthened. And I pray that you'd speak to our hearts from the word of God. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. The story of Job is a, it's an amazing story. It's one of those stories that you almost, you almost can't get tired of reading it. Uh, if you ever think you're having a bad day, just go read Job chapter 1 and all of a sudden your day's not so bad after all, right? When you see all that Job went through. I preached back about a year and that was probably a year and three months ago. I preached a message about Job and I preached about the fact that although we say Job lost everything, can I tell you there were some things that Satan could not touch. There were some things that Satan could not take away. And aren't you glad that there are some things that you and I, we can hang on to and we have a foundation that is sure and we have a faith that uh, is, is solid in Jesus Christ. And I'm glad that no matter what happens in this world, I'm glad that we have an anchor that keeps our soul steadfast and sure while the billows roll. I'd like to draw your attention to Job 1. If you notice with me, verse number 1, the Bible says that there was a man who was perfect. Now, that does not mean that he was sinless. 
It means that he was spiritual, he was mature, he was complete, he was all that God wanted him to be. You know, I hope that's your desire. I hope you desire to be everything that God wants you to be. I'll say this about my own life. God is still working on me. And can I tell you, God's got a lot of work to do on some of us, doesn't he? I know he's got a lot of work on me. I'm glad God's still working on me, though. I'm glad God hasn't given up. God's not done. But Job was perfect. He was upright. That means he did that which was right. The Bible says he feared God. He had a, a proper reverence, a proper respect for God. And then he was one that eschewed evil. That word means that he avoided evil. He, he ran from evil. I gave you the illustration uh, a week or two ago, and I told you about uh, how, how my fear of heights. I will not get close to the edge. If there's a guardrail, I can get to the guardrail, and I can hold on, and I can look over. But if there's no guardrail, I'm not getting anywhere close. Well, Job was that way, not with heights. He was that way with sin. He said, I'm not getting close to sin. I'm running away from it as far as I can, and he eschewed evil. Then we get to verse number 8. And God starts a conversation with Satan. By the way, this, this verse alone ought to tell you, and this verse alone ought to assure you that our God is greater than that old devil, that our God has more power. God's not afraid of Satan. God's not in heaven getting nervous, thinking, oh no, what am I going to do? What, what about Satan? God has it all under control. God starts a conversation with Satan and he asked Satan, he said, hast thou considered, have you seen, have you witnessed, have you observed the kind of guy that Job is? And God says about Job in verse 8, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil. Now, you may fool your boss at work. You may get employee of the month, <laughs> And your coworkers may say, that guy or that lady, they don't even do anything. Man, they got the boss fooled. You may fool your boss. You may fool your neighbors. Your neighbors might think, what a sweet, wonderful, loving, caring person. And your family members might be like, who in the world are they talking about? I live with them and that's not the way they are. You may fool some people. I may fool some people. But how many of you know there ain't nobody fooling God? And when God says this about Job, God's assessment was 100% accurate because God not only sees what we do, He knows what we think. He knows what we are on the inside. And so we see that Job's Christianity, and I know that's a New Testament term, but Job's Christianity was not a phony. Job was not a fake. He was what we would say in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. He had, he possessed an unfeigned faith, meaning that Job's faith was real. It was genuine. It was authentic. I don't know about you, but that's what I want for my life. I want to be real. I don't want to be uh, uh, put on the Sunday morning smile and the Sunday morning lingo. God bless you. Good to see you. Hey, it's been a great week. Oh, it's wonderful. And, and your family's like, what in the world are they talking about? 
It's been World War III at our house. What do you mean it's wonderful? I want to be real. I want to be genuine. I want to be authentic. I hope that's your desire. And can I tell you, that's not a place where we arrive and then we're done. That's a place that we are constantly striving to be, where we are real. You may fool some people, I may fool some people, but I want to be real in the sight of God like Job. I'd like to preach for a few moments this morning on being real. Lord, would you speak to us? We need your help. We need your power. And I pray, Lord, that we would apply these truths to our own hearts. I pray that whether someone in this room has been saved for 50 years or they've been saved for five days, I pray that we would all have this desire to be real and to be genuine and to have a faith like Job's that it could be said that we were authentic. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. A couple thoughts I want to give you, and I won't keep you long. I know what time it is. Number one, the word is time. You know what it takes to be real? It takes time. Anything in life that is real, anything that is genuine, anything that is authentic takes time to construct. I, uh, I mentioned this, and I try to keep my illustrations the same and everything. I try to keep it as much uh, the same as possible between the services. But I said this morning, I said, if you want a good meal, that takes time. If you want some food that is real, that takes some time. You say, nope, pastor, that's not true. I went through the drive-thru this week and I got my meal in one minute and 23 seconds. Exactly. <laughs> if you want food that is real, if you want a meal that is good and authentic and it's, it's the real thing, it's going to take some time. You can put up a pup tent in a few minutes, but if you want to build a house, it's going to take some time. Brother Dan and I, we were amazed when these uh, uh, fellas came and they set up that big tent out front. I mean, there was a crew of eight or ten guys and they would put that thing up in a matter of I say hours. I know they took it down in hours. It maybe took six or seven hours to put it up. But they could put up a tent in, in, in a few hours. Well, can I tell you, this auditorium, well, many of you that are here today, you remember this was built. It was finished 1979, 1980, a little over 40 years ago. I promise you, this auditorium wasn't built in a day. This auditorium was not built in an hour. You know why? Because this is a real structure. By the way, it's lasted too. That tent out there didn't last very long. I mean, it, we could have kept it up a little bit longer. You wouldn't have lasted very long. Aren't you glad we didn't have the tent up in August? All God's people said amen for that. But anything that is real takes time. My wife and I, I've told this story, I'm sure, but my wife and I, a few years ago, we were getting ready to go to California for a trip, the, the two of us, and uh, Joanna's sister was coming to watch the children. Well, we're getting ready to go on this trip, and Kylie had hit the stage where she was not only walking, she was running. And she would get out in the backyard and she thought it was funny to see how far she could run away from us before we could catch her. It didn't matter if she was going to the neighbor's yard, didn't matter if she was going to the road. I mean, she was just on a mission to escape. And we're thinking, we're going on a trip and Joanna's sister's coming to stay with the kids for a whole week. We, you know, she can't keep them inside the whole week. And so I had a brilliant idea. I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to put up a fence. 
Now, I knew I didn't have time and I didn't have the money to put up a real fence, so I ordered a snow fence. You know, you know what a snow fence is, just a temporary thing. I ordered it from Amazon. It came in two days. I went to Lowe's. I got me some T-posts. I borrowed a, a driver, and I put up that fence. It took me a couple hours. I got some zip ties and everything, and that fence was awesome for about three weeks until Kylie figured out how to get out of that fence and how to uh, lift the, lift the, 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 the fence and, and push the T-posts over and climb over it. And it was, but it was good for three weeks. Well, guess what? We had to get a real fence. And a real fence, I just got, I got news for you in case you're thinking about getting a fence. A real fence you don't put up in a couple hours. And a real fence is gonna cost you more than a couple hundred dollars, I promise you that. And uh, so we've, we've started a, a, a billing system. Uh, so Kylie's bill is up uh, quite a bit now. When she gets older, we'll deduct that, you know, because we built the fence because of her. Lacey and Savannah, they'd always stay in the yard. They were just perfect little angels, right? <laughs> Chloe would stay in the yard, but then Kylie Jo came along and she decided to push the boundaries, I guess. But if you want something real in life, if you want something genuine, it's going to take some time. I like what one preacher said. He said, Christianity is really not measured in years. He said, it's measured in decades. Can I tell you, anybody can be a Christian and live for God for a couple weeks or a couple months, or maybe a couple years. But can I tell you what blesses my heart? When I look across this auditorium and I see people that have been in church their whole life and they're still faithful. And you say, well, yeah, those are the people that haven't had any problems. We could sit down and we could go around the room and we could interview those people. And can I tell you what they'd all have in common? Heartache, disappointment, sorrow. But they stayed faithful over time. Job, I, I, don't, have time to, I don't have time to tell you about time, but Job, his, his life was not just in a day or a week, but Job, over the course of his life, God said, here is a man that is perfect and upright. Here is one. He's the real deal. Job was called the greatest of all the men of the East. Notice verse number five. Job rose up uh, in the morning, early in the morning, and offered burnt offerings according to the number of his children. For Job sent, uh, said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus did Job continually. He was faithful. Over time, he kept on serving God. He kept on living for God. He kept on uh, being what God wanted him to be. Being real, number one, takes time. Someone has very wisely said that time is a healer. And I'm glad that time is a healer. But I want to tell you, time is also a revealer. Maybe you've got somebody at work and somebody came on at, at the work and the first couple months, I mean, they were just awesome. They were doing great. And then something happened. The honeymoon wore off. The newness wore off. The excitement wore off. And over time is when you find out what someone is really made of. Number one, if we're going to be real, it's going to take time. Number two, I want to say if we're going to be real, it's going to require trials. Would you turn with me in Job, the book of Job, to chapter 23? Job said, but he knoweth the way that I take. And when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. 
It's interesting to me that Job recognized where the trials came from. You see, yes, it was Satan that was trying to attack Job, and it was Satan that was trying to hurt Job, but who had allowed Satan that opportunity? It was God. God had given the permission. God had given the okay. And Job said, I know I'm going through trials. He said, but I know those trials come from God. He has allowed them to happen. You see, all of our trials are filtered. Before they ever touch us, all of our trials are filtered through the hand of a loving Heavenly Father. Trials do not shape our lives nearly as much as trials reveal our lives. Have you ever heard someone, they'll go through something and, 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 and they'll say, well, yeah, you know, that trial made them do such and such. Well, there may be some truth to that, but really, in most cases, the trial doesn't make you do anything. The trial is what reveals what's already in your heart or what's in my heart. You see, trials and tests are not given so that God knows what we will do. He already knows what we'll do before the trial ever comes. But the trials are given so that we can see what is real in our lives. And as I mentioned at the beginning, aren't you glad that God hasn't given up on us? Aren't you glad that God's still working on us and God gives us tests and he gives us trials not to hurt us and not to, 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 to harm us, but God gives us those trials so that we can see some areas where we need to draw closer to God. Whatever you're going through right now, I want to remind you that God has allowed that trial. We don't like trials. I don't like trials. Nobody likes trials. But the truth is those trials have been allowed by God. God knows what you're going through. Joanna's mom used to say, and I've heard Joanna quote this many times in situations we've been in or situations with our children. She, her mom used to always say, it's easy have a good attitude when everything's going your way. Isn't that the truth? Boy, I tell you, when everything's going good, oh boy, yeah, it's great. Oh, oh, it's so good to be a Christian. Oh, it's wonderful. But what do you say when things are not going well? I read this quote this week from a pastor uh, in Connecticut. He said this, he said, if you stop loving Jesus when your life falls apart or when things go badly in your life, he said, then you really didn't love Jesus. You just loved the gifts that he was giving you. Now think about that. If you stop loving Jesus, when things go bad in your life, then you're revealing, and I'm revealing that we didn't really love Jesus. We just loved the comfortable life that he was giving us. And can I tell you, I thank the Lord for blessings. I thank the Lord for, for food. And I thank the Lord for a roof over my head. And I thank the Lord for a job. And I thank the Lord for provision. And I thank the Lord for, for family. And I thank the Lord for our country. And I thank the Lord for all he's done. But can I tell you, if you and I stop loving Jesus when things go bad, then what we're saying is we didn't really love Jesus. We just loved all the things that he had given us and the things he blessed us with. You see, the Bible says in Job chapter 1, verse 22, that although Job lost everything, he lost all of his possessions, he lost his children, eventually he lost his health, his wife turned on him. But the Bible says, in all this, did not Job sin with his lips? In verse 22 of chapter 1, neither did Job charge God foolishly. If we're going to be real, number one, it's going to take some time. Number two, it's going to take some trials. 
But number three, it's going to require some trust. Would you turn with me back to Job chapter 13? The book of Job chapter 13. Job had lost all of those things, but yet in chapter 13, verse 15, Job makes this statement. I want you to hear this. He says, though he slay me. Now, Job had already lost his health. He'd already lost his children. He'd already had a, a funeral service, and I don't know how they had funeral services, but he had a funeral service with 10 caskets lining the front of that, of that funeral. His 10 children. And his own wife was saying, Job, just curse God and die and just get it over with. There's no sense going on. And Job had already been through that. And then he says in chapter 13 and verse number 15, he says, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Job said, God, even if you take my life, he said, I'm still going to trust you. You're still God. I still have confidence, God, that your way and your will is best. In chapter 23, verse 10, Job said, but he, that is God, he knoweth the way that I take. You see, the goal in the Christian life is to get to a place of trust. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. We have, in October, we have Brother Kenny Baldwin. He'll be coming to preach, and he is a blessing. He's been here a few times for our Teen Spectacular. Brother Kenny Baldwin, a year ago this past March, he got COVID. Brother Kenny Baldwin was the first person that I knew personally that got COVID and that was hospitalized. He was hospitalized, and he was put into the ICU. He was in the hospital, an ICU on a ventilator, for about a month, the doctors didn't think he was going to make it. He's a young man in his uh, early, mid-40s, a preaching machine, just a, a pastor of a church up in Washington, D.C. area. And Kenny Baldwin got COVID, and I heard him preach this last July. So, what would that be, 14, 15 months after uh, he got sick and was in the hospital? Kenny Baldwin said this, and I went back to watch the, the message again to make sure I quoted word for word. Kenny Baldwin said this, he said, God ordained for me to have COVID. You say, what? What Kenny Baldwin was saying was, it was no surprise to God. It was no accident. It wasn't that COVID got out of God's control and so Kenny Baldwin caught it and God's like, oh no, what am I going to do? God allowed that to happen. Now hang on. We're getting a little quiet, and I know, I know I'm touching on something now that it's kind of where the rubber meets the road, but do we believe that God is in control or not? Now, I'm not saying that God is the one that unleashes sickness, and I'm not the one that's saying all that, because don't you know that that old devil is on the attack? But anything that Satan can do in this world, can I tell you, he first has to get a stamp of approval from the throne of God. Kenny Baldwin said this. He said, God ordained for me to have COVID. He said, God knew what he was doing. You'll see in October when Kenny Baldwin's here that he can't preach like he used to. He doesn't have full capacity of his lungs and he's not able to raise his voice like he used to do and be all over the place uh, just, you know, like the Tasmanian devil preaching. He, he can't do that anymore. 
But you know what you'll hear when you hear Kenny Baldwin? You'll hear a man who's been through a trial, but a man who learned to trust God. And he could have gotten bitter. He could have got upset and shaken his fist at God, but he said, I'm going to let God take this trial and be glorified in it. I made this statement back in February, and I made the statement, and it's, it's a good statement, I believe, but I don't know that I really thought through the full, uh, the full gamut of this statement. But I made this statement in a message in February. I said, you know, I said, I don't want to be a part of a church that does not need God. And after I made that statement, it's almost like it hit me. It's like, we like to plan things out, don't we? We like to be prepared, we like to be organized, and I think we should be those things. But the Bible says in Hebrews 11 that without faith, it is impossible to please God. You know what that means? That means that we need God. If this church is going to survive, if this church is going to do anything uh, for eternal value, it means we can't do it on our, on our own. It's not going to be a pastor. It's not going to be a staff. It's not going to be a deacon board. It's not going to be a, a group of Sunday school teachers. It's not going to be a choir. It's going to be a whole lot of people that just say, God, we can't do it, but we trust that you are able. Can I tell you, if we're going to be real, we're going to have to trust even through the trials that God has everything under control. The last word I'll give you is the word treasure. It says in Job 23, verse number 10, that when he hath tried me, Job says, I shall come forth as what? Gold. That's the treasure. And you say, yeah, I, I kind of like some of that gold. Does that mean we go through treasures and God like puts a bunch of money in our bank account or God gives us a whole lot of rich? No, 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 that's not what it is. You see, in 2 Timothy, the Bible tells us that we are vessels that bring honor and glory to God or we bring dishonor and shame to God. And the vessels that bring glory are the vessels that are gold, silver, precious stone, the, the vessels that are pure, the vessels that are real. You know what gets burned up, 1 Corinthians 3? Not the gold, silver, and precious stone. That goes through the fire and that comes out better. But what gets burned up is the stuff that's not real. The wood, the hay, and the stubble. And I think sometimes in my life, I think I've gone through some trials and I think it has been revealed to me that maybe I didn't trust God like I should. Or maybe I didn't love God like I should. Maybe I just loved the stuff that God had given me rather than the God who gave the stuff. But you see our treasure, 1 Peter says, the trial of your faith is more precious than of gold, though it be tried with fire, but it might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. You see, the trials that we face are more valuable, more precious than gold because our trials can bring praise and honor and glory to God that we could never accomplish without the trials. Now, let me ask you a question. You don't have to answer out loud but I want you to think about this question. Do you think that God received more glory before Job's trial or after his trial? I'd say he received more glory after. 
It's kind of like what we said earlier. Anybody can have a good attitude when things are going your way, right? If Job, if the story of Job was Job had all these cattle, he had all these uh, barns, he had all these fields, he had all this thing going for him, and Job loved God and he lived happily ever after, I don't think there would have been a lot of glory going to God. Because remember what Satan said? Satan said, hey, the only reason he loves you is because you've blessed him. He said, you take that stuff away and he will curse you. Well, guess what? Job proved through the trial that his love for God was real. I want to tell you this morning, that's what I want. I don't want the trials. I don't want the difficulties, but guess what? They'll come. But when those trials come, May those trials produce a treasure that brings honor and glory to Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week. Thank you.